Welcome, everybody, to the 82nd edition of the Metabolist 2 podcast, featuring myself, Ben. And David. And David, we've got a slightly different setup today. Why don't you explain to our listener what's going on? Well, for the first time after two years of potting, we are actually facing one another in a living room um, recording an episode of the Metabolist 2. This is uh, unprecedented in Metabolist 2 history. Absolutely unprecedented. Maybe never to be repeated. But it's uh, certainly an unusual occurrence. And this is our two-year anniversary. We began two years ago, 19... Or 19... 2016. <laughs> 1963. 2016 for on Father's Day. And it's Father's Day uh, 2018. So we're back in the back recording of Father's <laughs> Day again. But it's quite unusual because we don't usually look each other in the eye. Right. Which is... Which is well, we'll probably look... Yeah, we'll probably we'll stare, like, yeah. But I, I, this is something that some people have asked me, and this may be boring, so you can always edit this out, David. <laughs> people have asked me, how do we do this when we're not in the same city? Yeah. How does that work? So we we make a FaceTime call, and we record our individual comments on a separate track, and then I put them together and uh, do a minor bit of editing and then put it out on the feed. Which actually, I think, does that make the whole editing thing a little bit easier? Because you kind of have to edit it anyway, sort of thing. Yeah, it does make it easier. Like if we were over, and with problem with doing a conversation over the phone or FaceTime is we sometimes would talk talk over each other. And this Not way. Like this. Yeah. And this way. Well, you know, that, like that, that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that way I could edit that out or uh, fix the spacing a little bit. But here. There'll be no way to do it. No so way to we'll do it. to make sure we don't talk over <laughs> each other. And so for a topic today, since we like staying on topic of Doctor Who, we don't like wandering, we're kind of doing a chat on who. Who, who chat. And uh, <laughs> if we get stumped, I have a little, uh, I have some cards here made up with random questions from our listener, and we will respond to that. Yeah. So that's why it sounds a little bit different. And, uh, yeah, it's be interesting to see how this sounds um, it's when, a, it's when, it goes, a, uh, when it goes out. Unprecedented way of uh, Metabolist 2 podcasting. Yeah. Do a lot of people record them remotely? Well, there's two styles of podcasts. One that they all hang out in the same area or go in a pub and record or in someone's front room, living room. Or there's the ones that do it over Skype or FaceTime, and then that's separate tracks. And it just depends on the podcasters on what works for them and how local they are, since you and I live in different parts of the country. But in the same time zone, that's a plus. Yeah, that would be a big thing. I mean, the uh, international pod, if you, if you were in the UK, then yeah. it's, it becomes a little more uh, a synchronization issue. But, you know, with my schedule you know might might not be up i'm yeah. up late late enough that it'd be right early enough in the morning in the uk time for you to yeah. record well that's all that's all fascinating stuff <laughs> so that's a little bit of banter the, non the banter banter that's <laughs> <laughs> some entertaining banter there so uh, uh, let's talk about who what's what's been occupying the who centers of your brain this week well just Really reflecting on Tom Baker and mm. just the interview with Matthew Sweet for the Genesis theatrical release. And just, I so I went and ordered the big finish Nick Briggs interview, our yes. two hour interview with yeah. uh, Tom Baker, Tom Baker at 80. It uh, really made me, I think, appreciate or miss, miss Tom a little bit more, just wanting to hear a little bit more of the man rather than just 
him as Doctor Who, what, what makes him tick a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I've always been really reluctant to pull the curtain away from the actor or, you know, have him step out of character. And it was enough of a teaser of an interview that I, I would like to learn a little bit more. Do you think there'll be a, a difference between the Briggsian interview style and the sweet, sweetian from what from what I've style? seen and like I think Briggs did like real time right or Mythmakers yes. one, one of the two oh yes he did so yeah you so yeah, his you style know his, you know his, his style yeah his style I think is a little more uh, with Matthew uh, 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 he's a doctor isn't he Doctor Matthew Sweet I think he's some kind of intelligent person yeah, yeah so I, I his his style I thought was a little more leading a little more. Insidery, I think, at least from what I recall of Nick Briggs, it's a little, it, it's less familiar of right. a style, and I think that might mm. be more appealing. But I haven't heard Nick Briggs interview for a, a modern a, a right. interview, you know, not something from the wilderness years. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. The interviewer I'm probably the most comfortable with right now is Toby Hado, who did the Who's round. Yeah, I like Toby. So uh, <laughs> it, it'll be interesting. I I just really wanted to hear a little bit more of Tom Baker. Yeah. How about you? Well, what I've been uh, enjoying, because I drove down to Portland, uh, and because it's, it's a long way and it takes a long time because of the traffic, I was listening to Cold Fusion, the uh, Big Finish adaptation of the Lance Parkin book, which is was a missing adventure from the mid-90s, a missing adventure that I rate very, very highly. In fact, I rate Lance Parkin very, very highly in general as a fan and a fan author and as a factual author as well. And I think he adapted his own his own book to to big finish. Finish. It's a three disc six parter, and it has two doctors in it, and it's really very good. Do you buy any of the big finishes off of uh, just on streaming format, or do you always try to get the physical? media? I like to. Have the, I'm, I'm a physical media guy. Mm-hmm. I, I like to have the actual media. So I just splat, I knew I was going to drive down here, so I just splashed out and spent mm-hmm. like. Was like twenty bucks. Ah, Did you pick bucks. it up in the UK? Or? Uh, no, I got it from Amazon here in the American states of America. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah, and I'm very much enjoying it. It's it's funny. I've not heard any big finishes with Matthew Waterhouse or with Janet Fielding, so it was fun to hear their voices. Um, I think Waterhouse does a good job being a young younger version of himself, mm-hmm. and it is interesting. I mean, Cold Fusion is set right after the Fifth Doctor's regeneration. Um, but also includes the Seventh Doctor as well. So there's some tension there because obviously the Seventh Doctor knows what happens to Adric, even though Adric doesn't know, or the Fifth Doctor knows what right. happens to Adric. Is Sarah Sutton in this one? And Sa- lovely, lovely Sarah Sutton. Everyone knows how much I like Sarah Sutton. So it's delightful to have mm-hmm. her in it as Nyssa. And then we've got a quick... Ah, good to hear Chris Quedge be voiced. I haven't heard that before. The two adjudicators and Ros Forrester. Characters from the um, uh, miss both missing adventures and um, what's the missing? What's the other one? The other virgin, the virgin, the new adventures, the new yeah. adventures. So Chris Quedge and um, Ros Forrester are these kind of future policemen adjudicators, and they basically from time to time are the kind of you know the heavies who help out the Seventh Doctor. Mm, okay. When, so, when the McCoy Doctor has got some you know some twisty turny planning to do, they're uh-huh. his kind of heavy heavy brigade. Okay. And it's funny actually, Sylvester McCoy does not sound as old as. Um, as Peter Davison does. Peter Davison does sound actually quite old, but hmm. Sylvester McCoy sounds relatively, to my untrained ear, sounds very similar to what he should sound like, which is what he sounded like 30 years ago. I wonder if that's because uh, Davison was so young when he actually... That's very true. 
and there's Very more true. more age. There's passing. more age in there, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's what I've been doing. Who who wise? I'm also I have a, also have a top secret project going, which I won't talk more more, more about. Who who wise? Uh, anyway, so I've got that that going. Teaser. Teaser. Uh, teaser, <laughs> teaser, teaser, teaser. I mean, yeah, maybe I may I I have a I I maybe uh, anyway. Yes, yeah, so I'll I might talk about that later. You can edit that that edit, 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 that, that bit out. Anyway, That'll be yeah. the musical interlude. There you go. Yeah. 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 Good. Yeah. So that yeah, so that's my who activity. Uh-huh. Have I done anything else? Whoish? I've got the new Doctor Who magazine to read. I'm still upset about the change of editor and that kerfuffle. I've heard that though the the new time team's making some waves. Have you? They are. They're, well, they're very multicultural, which obviously irritates a certain kind of fan. Well, I think those type mm. of fans are probably deserve to be. I irritated. think they deserve not to listen to Doctor Who ever again if they want to behave like that. So it's very very multicultural, <laughs> and they're doing it thematically now. So time team obviously used to chronological. You should be basically chronological, but now so I think this issue is kind of we it's kind of tearjerker episodes, but mm. across. The panel, the panoply of panoply of who? So is uh, it's not Marcus Hearn who's running. Who's running? Is it um, who's running the team now? I don't know. Who? who? Oh, I've got my, my Benjamin... dog socks on. There you go. Oh, there you go. In honor of Father's Day. Is, is it Benjamin Cook who's uh, running? I think it could be Ben. It is Ben Cook. I think so you're right. I yeah, wonder if he's. he's... Yeah, I wonder. <laughs> Lucky for him. Yep. <laughs> I'm wondering if he's the one who's selecting the stories that are, you know, he's, yeah, he's I think, identifying what he yeah. thinks is two jerkers and then... Yeah, and I mean, I haven't actually read the issue yet, but I think I was going to read it during my jury duty thing, but of course I didn't have time because mm-hmm. um, of too many jurying. Um, uh, yeah, they've probably got episode four of Earthshock and I know, can't think of any other. Well, you would think they would... Ha- you'd, you'd have to show the whole episode in order to make the whole the whole, no, the whole think, story. I, I think, they no, I think take... they're doing an episode. Ooh, that, they're doing that's episodes. Interesting. Okay. Oh. Yeah, which uh, is interesting. Yeah, because why? Why would you care about Adric? Yeah, if you if you if you had, oh, uh, maybe they show the whole story. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Yeah. Read, read DWM. I'll have to because you, you've stopped reading it, right? I am, well, well, you've never. I've read never it. been. It's always been so expensive in the states, and I've just oh, never no. gotten the habit no. of doing it. But I have. I mean, I have a whole. I have Stop. in the wilderness years, people were just shedding them. So yeah, they like, were. Yeah, like my. So I picked up a lot of my back issues. My brothers got me a huge, uh, like a, a box set for Manila file folders. Huh. It's just stock full of uh, DWMs from the eighties and nineties. Yeah. So I mean, I do have them, but I I certainly didn't read it during the wilderness years, and never really picked it up when Eccleston came when you know when the show came back and right. It's always it's it's priced in a way that it was for my who dollars I would always focus in on getting like the VHS or the right. or the DVD which are also more expensive in the states than right picking up DWM yeah plus I've never been I've never been that big a fan of a comic strip so yeah well I think it, that was a big strip, part so, yeah. that was a big part of DWM especially in the eighties and nineties it was. And it just, it didn't speak to me as a fan. So mm-hmm. I never really got in the habit of reading DWM. Yeah. To my loss. Yeah, to your loss, yeah. Maybe maybe when you retire, you could start yeah. reading <laughs> issue one. Well, now, I mean, I am, I'm sure this is a breach of copyright and ownership, but uh, all like all the Doctor Who weeklies are online somewhere. Oh, really? So I think I'm... Oh, interesting. You can, you can find them. And right. it, it has definitely changed in format, and it's become more... As fan, originally it wasn't fans writing this publication. It was it was a Marvel product, and they yeah. would, you know, it was cranking out in a weekly, so you know, kids would buy it. 
But as fan, as that generation of fans came in, became editors, taken over, it's become a much more of a scholarly, in some ways, an academic, yes, academic the, the journal of record, in some right? Ways for Cardiff Fravda, I think, is one somewhere. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, this, well, I think this was, but this is what was behind the the most recent kind of editorial upheavals was mm-hmm. was a, a discomfort with some of the contributors that they were being asked to tow the uh, tow right. the Welsh line, right. Which is a shame. I, I think it was always it was kind of an it was a supportive yet independent voice, mm-hmm. and I'm detecting a slightly more kind of obsequious attitude. But you know, whatever. Well, it's, it's part fun. of it, you see this sometimes with uh, Axis journalism. I mean, it's effectively what DWM is: is they they thrive off the access they get from the Doctor Who Productions yeah. team, or uh, and. They want to keep actors and the production team in their good graces, so they have stuff to write about. Yeah, uh, which also kind of makes it sad with the, you know the constant falling out with Colin Baker that the magazine seems to have, and it all seems to delve or originate around the need to do rankings that we have, or uh, certainly classic Who fans that's, have I mean, that's, in fandom. That's a, that, that, that's actually a very good point. I mean, I think, you know, the, 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 the kind of previous regimes at the magazine was kind of obsessed with doing rankings. I think we're probably ranked out at this point, certainly for classic Who. And I think it was a shame that, obviously, when you rank classic Who, Colin Baker's stories are going to come bottom. I mm-hmm. mean, that's... Sadly, that's what's going to happen. He got short end of the stick. It's no reflection on on the act himself, but I think he's he's taken it personally. Um, I'm wondering whether you know, with a new editorial regime, with Marcus Hearn now at the at the at the helm, Hearn Hearn at the helm, Hearn helm, maybe Baker will be more amenable to be to being involved. Who knows? Perhaps I don't know. It's nice that he has a good positive relationship with Big Finish. So yeah, oh God, God, if 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 that one broke up, that'd be awful. Right. Yeah. yeah. From my observations, just looking at forum participation, it is yeah, fans in their 40s, 50s, and 60s that are still pretty obsessed with ranking, or not obsessed, but... Right, uh, like the ranking thing. Like, like ranking, you know, what's this episode out of 10, you know, yep. for every new who, where does it fit, and you know, yeah. does it, how does it shuffle? Yeah. But the pecking order for classic Doctor Who, I think, is pretty well firmly... Yeah, we we know what's good and what's bad at this point, and it's it only and the only really variables are going to be is if any missing episodes come back, and right, it, and you know like Enemy of the World went up with uh, Return. Uh, I wonder if something if Power Power of the Daleks came back and we actually got to see production values on it, if it would drop because you get the. Yeah. It's 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 loomed so large and missing missing Doctor Who fandom. Well, I think one thing that's interesting is this. this you know, going back to the original part of the conversation, this, this the the new time team on in Who magazine, which is very firmly a millennial team. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe this is an indication. Maybe you know, fans are becoming less interested in stories, and uh, I mean, in you know, an individual discrete story. Less interested in ranking, maybe more interested in seasons, more interested in themes, characters, um, characters. Maybe I don't know. You know, maybe younger people watch, consume media in different ways. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Well, it would be. It's going to be very interesting to see how character-driven Chibnall makes the Chib makes the series eleven. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. I'm, I, you know, it's said it's there's probably enough who now for me that actually, and it won't be a failure. But you know, even if it is. The Chib Who, if it is a failure, it's going to be fine. You see what I mean? I mean, there's enough for it. 
Yeah, I've, I've, I've got enough of it mm-hmm. now. Yeah, there's enough. In- that- I think they can experiment, and I won't be mad. And and I hope they do experiment, and I so hope do I. they do take some chances because. If you look at 1960s Who to say 1980s Who, there's a lot more risk-taking and trying to explore the format, and from my perspective, in 1960s than there was in subsequent decades. And right. I think in order to capture kind of that original spark, and you have that perfect opportunity with you know Jody Whittaker and a new Chibnall-led production team of Chief. bringing some of that creativity and uh, less formulaic storytelling in place, because... Really, with Moffat and RTD, it became a little... I mean, RTD especially, it became Doctor Who by the numbers. You knew kind of when you'd be going forward in time, right. backwards in time, what the companion... Kind of a lightweight companion introduction piece. Yeah, yeah, And then even with Moffat, you, his stories all are of, of a certain... Uh, a certain type, or for, for the large part, of a certain type of... Uh, you know, to use the, his cliche that he introduced of timey wimeyness. Yeah. So, yeah. shall we nip on to some of the questions? Emergency yeah, questions. Yeah. So, how, how about just leading off on that? Uh, predict what returning monster Jodie Whittaker's doctor will face in her first series. She will face the gun running dravens. Oh yeah, that'd be great. Because um, they are they are lady monsters. Mm-hmm. Um, she is a lady, a, a time lady, a lady who. Um, no, she won't face them because because <laughs> that's not going to happen. I don't know. Um, what what do you think? I I well, I mean, I think the Daleks. obvious the Daleks. You, if, it'd be but, very surprised if she didn't face the Daleks. But they they've got to do more. I mean, Daleks have fallen off badly. I think recently, mm-hmm. and we've got to get them back in the back in the game again. I think a little bit uh, more. I think. They suffer from overexposure always and never living up to, aside from Dalek in Series 1, they've really not... Well, series 1 Daleks were pretty epic. They, they were good. They, but I, then, what was it, Series 2 or 3 where we, or 4, was it? When did we reintroduce Dalek? D- Dabros, that was Series Dabros 4. Dabros was Series... 4, right? With uh, Stolen Earth? With Donna, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Series 4. So, I think whenever Davros is in the picture, Daleks fade. And so we had one of their more recent Dalek stories of the Mission's Apprentice, which is familiar. It was a Davros story. The Daleks, again, faded in the background. And um, since the Daleks are so immobile, we have that shape-shifting snake guy. Yeah, whatever Davros is hand scarf or something. It was whatever the Welsh word for snake was. Scarf or something like that. Sinister. Sinister snake, man. Yeah. 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 So anyway, yeah, Dalek. Probably Daleks. Daleks are probably the most obvious. Any, you think... We got any old monsters that we haven't had yet? We haven't really. Mm. I mean, you know, multiple monsters? No, we've got... We've had them all now. Well, I mean... I think Rutans are... Rutans are due for a return to the series. Well, yeah. Rutans. But I mean, they were they're a one-off monster. Rootin' tootin' rootin's. Um, I'm just trying to think of something from the '80s that would work, like maybe the Mara. That would be a good one. Yeah, get some Mara action. Yeah, that would be really. Good. I think with Mandeep Gill, if she, she yeah. kind of take on the role that Tegan had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would yeah, that would yeah. actually be an interesting return monster. Yeah, get the snake back on. Get the snakes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. The so, snakes. Yeah. You should be. Shouldn't you just be shuffling? I should just be shuffling them, and then okay. taking them, taking All them right. from the other side, so you can't read them. Should the Doctor find Susan, played by Caroline Ford, in the twenty-second century? Should we resolve that? 
Well, does she have to be played by Caroline Ford? Well, she wouldn't have to be played it? by Caroline Ford, but um, that that I mean, that's a two part question then. So, if Susan does return, or if there's a return of Susan, how would you do it? I would I would recast Susan, and I would have a, I would have a young Susan. Okay. Um, and I would I would I I do a I do a Dalek Invasion of Earth sequel basically. Mm-hmm. I'd have a young Susan, Ruins of London, twenty second century. David, whatever he's called, Mitchell. No, what's what's your husband called? Can't remember. Whitaker. <laughs> David Whitaker. And because um, I think I think we've already done like I'm the Doctor, I don't age. Mm-hmm. You're my companion, you do age. I think mm-hmm. we've already done that with Sarah Jane uh-huh. quite effectively. Uh-huh. So I'd be looking for some. I'm looking. I well, okay. So if there was, let's find Susan. I'd want there to be a good story there. I don't want it to be like a. Refine my own, my old companion, my granddaughter, kind of you know, sob story. I think it has to be a better story than what we had for school reunion. Yes, it does. It, it has. Does. I think it actually has a real plot. There's got to be a real story there, a real story to tell. That is, you know, we have to find Susan because a good because of a good reason. So, if she's a young Susan, if you recast her and play a young Susan, is Susan a Time Lord? Is she a Gallifreyan, or is she? Or do we find out that she she's actually half isn't? Human. She's that half human. Hmm. So does that uh, is she actually going to be the grand or grandchild of the doctor? <sighs> Can't say. I mean, we we've had Susan's come back for big finish and stuff, hasn't she, Caroline? I Ford don't is, know. I think we found Susan. Okay. I think we have found Susan okay. actually before on Big Finish. So I don't know. Okay. I I don't I don't know. Um, I think I think it would have to be really a compelling have to be a compelling story. Mm-hmm. That we that we that, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That'd be a real threatened reason why. Or you know, even if Susan just walks on by mistake, there has to be a good story behind that. Mm-hmm. That was my my thinking on it is that if you're going to bring her back, you I think it's it's probably why they haven't done it. It's probably why Moffat didn't do it because it seems like territory ripe for Moffat picking. Yeah, it really opens a can of worms, and I think Moffat was really busy trying to retcon or rewrite Doctor Who history, like the insertion of Clara on Gallifrey right. and that kind of stuff, to try to change it to his vision. Right. And I'm not sure Susan really fit within his vision that well. Mm. So that could be why he didn't do it. But I guess if I was doing it, I would start out with Caroline Ford playing Susan and not kind of the, oh, grandfather bit, but just that she did something similar to the fob watch. That's how she survived the time war on 22nd century earth. She became less, she became untime Lord. And by chance, Whitaker doctor, whomever comes and uh, helps her regenerate or whatever. And she returns to Gallifrey or something because David's died or whatever by then. Okay, right. I can see that working. I mean, but, th- I mean, there's a, there's quite a lot of exposition there to get through. I, that's also the I mean, we're also now, a problem for the new series. There's right? like 20 minutes into the episode, and we've only got to the start. Of right, the actual and, story is right. at that point. So they got what 55 minutes to work with, TV or 60 movie. minutes. Yeah. yeah. So it just it probably doesn't work for modern Who. So it's going to be so, left un- unsaid. Okay. Yeah. So we'll just discard that question. Yeah. Well, we moved on. We answered we, it. Yeah. We we, we did. We're going to. I think showrunner should punt on that idea. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> That's our view. All right. So next one on the top. Uh, what person from history or historical period should the doctor next visit? Ooh. Good question. I think. 
we should resolve once and for all the issue about the cup of Athelstan. Okay. And I think you should go back to uh, fill, fill eight, us in what it is. Eighth century, eighth century Anglo-Saxon Britain. Okay. Um, and well, of course you'll all remember the cup of Athelstan, um, <laughs> stolen by Lady Michelle Ryan or whatever she's called. Oh, okay. Um, in the uh, Planet of the Dead. In Planet of the Dead, and it then gets mashed up in order to provide some kind of time rotor for the magic school bus to get back to land, get back to Landon on uh, <laughs> in time. Two things that confuse me about, about the Cup of Athelstan. Well, there's a couple of things, actually. So, I'd like to know what the Doctor was doing at the court of King Athelstan, who's, of course, a very famous and important Anglo-Saxon monarch. Was that Athelstan the Unready? Uh, no, it's Ethelred the Unready. Okay. Athelstan is someone completely different. Okay. A <laughs> couple, couple of hundred years earlier. All right, sorry. Um, I, also, the, the, the Cup of Athelstan, as was in the uh, National Museum, as... as um, as uh, 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 Lady D'Souza stole, and as used by the Doctor in the Magic School Bus, the Magic uh, Double Decker Bus, um, is not an Anglo-Saxon design. Hmm. So that's confusing So to explain me. that. <laughs> explain that away. But guess who was contemporary of Athelstan on the, on, the, on the continent? Charlemagne. Okay. So we can build in the Tenth Doctor and his problems with Charlemagne. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as was exemplified... By uh, the kind of cutaway scenes in Blink. Would you do it as a uh, two-doctor story? Would you have a Tenet come back? Tenet comes back with Jodie, and oh. <laughs> they explore trade links mm. between uh, the Frankish kingdom of King Charlemagne, Emperor Charlemagne, and the Anglo-Saxon kingdom of Athelstan. So you could have... You could have... Uh, in, the, in the early early years of the uh, ninth century. You could have uh, Whitaker's Doctor with Ethelstan. Yep. And you could have Tennant with uh, Charlemagne. Yep. And perhaps Tennant's doing some kind of uh, moonlighting as an advisor or something yep. like he that. Yep, he could be the court cool advisor. Yep. The, yep. And then... Yep. Uh, the mayor of the palace. Yep. And uh, since he wouldn't know... He wouldn't know his future self. Right. And he wouldn't so, know his future self. Uh, oh, they could fall in love. Ha. Ah. No. <laughs> oh, no. Inter Doctor. Oh, that would, oh, God. That would have been Oh, too that's much. awful. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, I was just thinking that, he, you know, she's a, the Doctor would be, she would be a very powerful woman um, in representing Ethelstan's court or something. And then she would know who Ten was and she could use that. To her advantage, in some that's way. true, and of course, women were quite powerful. Yes. in in Anglo Saxon, well, if, if they of, of a certain nobility. Oh, well, yeah, well, yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah. but I mean, you know, you get any number of abbesses mm-hmm. um, and queens, princesses. Ooh, so we so oh, how, just how like uh, the doctor Hartnell doctor was the abbot of Anwar or whatever, exactly. so she could be the abbess. Ooh, it's starting to write itself. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Come on, if you're listening, Chris, Chip, Noel, <laughs> series two, here series you come. two. <laughs> Um, historical figure for you, David. Historical figure. Um, with at least with like the Matt Smith Doctor, I really wanted to meet Geronimo. I wanted to do, oh. do do something set in that time. Wow! And him meeting Geronimo for 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 Whitaker's Doctor. I, you know, I I'm not sure what type of story it would make. I'm not sure I would do a celebrity historical. Yeah. I think it would be interesting to stick her back in a period of history when maybe just in the early 1900s of the uh-huh. suffragette movement okay. or suffrage movement and 
maybe she, you know she's one of the uh, protesters there. She gets locked up, or right. maybe um, does she get to meet some? Well, I, I'm always reluctant to do King a celebrity a celebrity oh. historical. Right, so maybe okay. she just inspires. Uh, I, I don't know. Okay. On a more uh, on a more what I would like to see in Doctor Who, I'd love to see um, uh, something set on an actual British or an American steam train going um, some kind of mystery, maybe maybe a monsterless Doctor Who, uh, a, a straight historical. Mm. So uh, maybe uh, the I'm flying something. Something with the Flying Scotsman, I, I you know something nice. yeah. like that. If you're going for straight historical, I would do uh, Nelson. I would do something um, Horatio Nelson. Well, I had Nelson. Horatio Nelson based on previous performance would fancy the hell out of Jodie Whittaker. Right, Whittaker, so, so I think that would be a very interesting yeah. type type story. I mean, Napoleonic era. I mean, here's yeah, no, they haven't really done Napoleonic era unless you count the Reign of Terror, which is just on the verge of right. Napoleonic it's, it's, era. Well, we had Napoleon play a cameo in there. Yeah. Um, Could it get Ian Holmes in there to reprise his role as Napoleon? Exactly, <laughs> yeah. So here's a serious question. I mean, how do you think they are going to address the woman in previous eras of world history issue? I mean, I, the reason I say that is because I'm, I'm just... Not just, only that, but she'll be traveling with non... Um, with uh, with non... People of, with non-Anglo-Saxon yeah, Transkin people. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Uh, and the reason I say that is because I've just been reading through on a kind of irregular basis because you can't read the, really read the whole thing as a go. But the latest mm-hmm. about time from um, Tat Wood and his pals, mm-hmm. and they've gotten up to the uh, second tenant season with Martha, and they make some very good points about how the show has a lot of trouble trying to deal with race well basically avoids dealing with the fact that martha would probably have had a tougher time in you know pre-world war one mm-hmm. boys boarding school than she apparently had right family but etc 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 but i mean i mean it's i mean i think it's a natural problem i mean mm-hmm. i think it's going to be difficult for them there are the doctor can usually waltz into any situation flash the you know the Son- sonic paper or memory and because he's a man mm-hmm. They the the assumption is automatically that you have to listen to him, right? Jodie Whittaker is a woman. Mm-hmm. It, it, I'm not it, really expecting you to. I'm just. I, I, no, I, I yeah. think that that's that's one of the things that was was one of the knocks about like the Shakespeare Code, the tenant doctor totally dismissing uh, Martha's apprehension of being this. Right. He, he's his he, the tenth doctor's response was just act like you own this place. Well, and I mean, that, that really the, isn't it. You, really do, have isn't the, you have, do have the dark lady with with Shakespeare, so I mean, mm-hmm. there is, you know, it's not impressive a potential to anyway. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but yeah, but definitely with human nature, family. But now that would have been that was a Paul Cornell. That is a Paul Cornell story, and it starred the Seventh Doctor, right? It did, yeah. And so was Ace the companion. For Ace that? was the companion. So yeah. that would you know, so that was a little bit Professor. of a. It just it just didn't come up in the novel. So, didn't come up the novel at all. And so I think when uh, RTD asked uh, Cornell to translate that, it wasn't really... I mean, it was touched upon, but it's just not... Yeah. It wasn't... It's just not something that really was uh, addressed in that story. So, yeah. Uh, so, I think it will be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, they tried to address it with the the most recent one with, um, with Bill, 
mm-hmm. and the Frost Fair. Right. Or was it Doctor Who and the Frost Fair? Doctor Who and the <laughs> Giants. Doctor Who and the Giant Underwater Eel. Yes. Whatever it is. Anyway, whatever that one was the called. The Eel from Space, I think. Doctor it, Who and the yeah, Eel. I think the target novel the is based on Doctor space. Who and the, the, the Ice Eel from Space. Doctor Who and the Ice Eel from Space. And they can, they kind of did a bad job with it as well. I, I, I mean, they, they, they dressed it head on, but still, mm-hmm. it's still kind of, yeah, didn't work so yeah. well for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, it is just a ripe area that hasn't been addressed in the show, and I think that that might be more of a focus in the show coming up, just based off of uh, set reports and what seems like where they've been filming. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask another emergency question. Okay. <laughs> um, and this this one's come up, and this is a very very appropriate question for this day. All right. Which is what is the most fitting story for Father's Day? Is it, well, is it Father's Day, speaking of Paul Cornell? <laughs> yeah, it, it is Father's Day. Okay, next no, question. No, I don't know if it is. <laughs> um, well, okay, let's okay, let, let, let's expand the question. What is the most fitting story for Father's Day? Or what is the most fitting story for a particular father who might be sitting in this room? Well, I, was, I was thinking for, as a father. I was thinking for Father's Day. I, I mean, I know, okay, we have a story called Father's Day. But that's a little too obvious. I was thinking about um, Robot and Kettlewall and his mechanical child, or uh, the K one robot, and that just is an how excellent answer. and how the trauma, well, trauma, robot, robotic trauma of yeah. uh, killing his uh, creator. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, that might be a fun one for you know a, a fatherly one yeah and uh yeah i don't like that i was perhaps thinking robots of death oh you know there's a kind of dysfunctional family <laughs> very you much know, so off is very much the kind of you know paterfamilias mm-hmm. of that group mm-hmm. you now maybe the robots are rebellious children death by strangulation yeah family gone wrong family gone wrong yeah. could be yeah yeah so how about for? I mean, it's one of my favorite stories. Yeah, so, I, so I've well, watched, that also I've works for watching it. on Father's of Day. Watching on Father's Day. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So all right. Okay, I'm going to shuffle again. I'm just going to shuffle blindly here <laughs> from the emergency question stack. Okay, which one have we got? Ah, which Doctor Who book or comic would you recommend to read? Ooh. So I is this to a friend, colleague, or uh, someone just not, interested in a, a you know, not we? Yeah, a not a not we. I wouldn't recommend any. I would would go for non-fiction. I would go for factual. And Ah. I, this is a, this is a book either from the wilderness years or from the late eighties, but I would recommend Dr. Who, the early years from Jeremy Bentham, all about the early Hartnell years. And I think, I think for a fan, you know, a fan who's going to start reading about this show, I think that's a good book to start with. I don't. I'm, I'm sure uh, subsequent research that uh, Richard Bignall and like Johnny Morris and stuff have done have probably uh, surpassed it in detail. But I think, I think it's a nice, uh, a nice look at uh, the 1960s and just the early years of Doctor Who. Well, the other thing it's a nice look at. I would, I would also say it's a nice look at the early years of Doctor Who scholarship. Yes, very so much. It's so you, what you're looking at the kind of 80s. When was when was I, early I think years? It was, I think it was late eighties or early nineties. So again, you're rewinding back, you know, twenty twenty five years, it almost has, thirty well, years. Well, it has the eighties lo- early eighties logo the, on it, so it, it might be mid eighties. It has the neon logo. Yeah. It's the neon logo. Yeah, yeah. 
So I mean, I think that would. I think that's an excellent choice. And there's some wonderful pictures in there, mm -hmm. the original designs, etc. Yeah. Um, I mean, and Jerothy Bentham was the one who. Basically, I mean, he was what the Doctor Who fan club, Doctor Who Appreciation Society yeah. president, and he he shaped a lot of the early in opinions of how fandom saw Doctor Who. Now, uh, fandom has come back once we've all been able to see the episodes and come up with our own opinions. But he was very influential yeah. early on, and it, I think it, I think to it's a nice historical document. It's a it's it's a, it's it's a good it's a good read if my if my memory serves. So yeah. I would I would recommend doing that. Yeah, and I always get Jeremy Bentham mixed up with the actual Jeremy Bentham, the eighteenth <laughs> um, century a political philosopher. But I, I wonder if they were related. I I, I, I mean that, that I'm not at this point. I'm not actually joking. I wonder if they are related. I would suspect that maybe it's a. Or maybe and his father was really keen on Jeremy Bentham. Could be. Who knows? Yeah, I bet you it's a family Oxford, name. There's a, there's, a, there's a relationship there. <laughs> there, there yeah, yeah. Um, I would recommend the Discontinuity Guide. Really? Even after the savaging that uh, Cornell and what, Keith Topping and... It's the Keith Topping, it's Keith it, Topping it, and Cornell, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and there was one other person in that. But, yeah. the, but even after... Because they, they really... Uh, Disparage the Pertwee era. That's where the whole stink of the Pertwee era began. Really? Wasn't it? Weren't they? I don't. I remember. I haven't read it for years. I remember really enjoying it as a uh -huh. read. Um, and I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much if they were if they were razzing on on Pertwee. Okay, so maybe I. I maybe thinking of misremember think, it. Then. Yeah, okay. I think the disc. Anyway, I I just found it. I remember finding it very funny, mm -hmm. um, which I enjoyed, and I also. I'd love to get back to not get. I mean, I have a nostalgia for the days of when a Doctor Who guide, program guide, was something that you was you know only about half an inch thick, and you could read in a day rather than the kind of book stops, the kind of door stops that we are. Well, you know, I wonder if nowadays. I wonder if we have a need for that. If we should do a new Doctor Who guide and. Well, we have the internet now. If we you, have if you the, need but, to know but, the... Yeah, that's true. But it's so nice just to have a little paperback, a slim volume that has everything in it that you really care about. Everything that you really need. I mean, well, the, what's, of course, what's interesting to me is that... Not, well, anyway, yes, I mean, I was doing some research on... Because I was in bed trying to get to sleep. I was researching <laughs> Robots of Death, actually. Oh, okay. And um, discovered that I, something I didn't know before about Robots of Death, that the Robots of Death masks, the heads of the robots, were actually sculpted by a real-life sculptor. A yes. Woman. Yeah, which I didn't know at all. Oh, okay. Yeah, Rose um, Gerard, who actually I know a little bit about as an actual sculptor. So there's still things to find out mm -hmm. um, in terms of Doctor Who. Um, in terms of detail, mm -hmm. now would that be that would that, is that a book that's been done? Would it be interesting to look at Doctor Who just purely from the artwork perspective? I'd love to see a Doctor Who artwork, uh, a, a, like a pure, like a proper artwork mm -hmm. book. I mean, already we've already already aired on this podcast my Robert Smithson theories about Doctor Who, <laughs> which you know, again, mm -hmm. when I ever when I, if I ever can do that, which I probably never will, I, I will try and ascertain whether. Um, Robert Smith and got his ideas about time traveling mirrors from, uh, from, evil. from Evil of the Daleks, which is entirely possible. Mm -hmm. Though, 
Not likely, mm-hmm. but certainly possible. Um, and yeah, we know we've got Rose Jared, which I hadn't really realised before was sculpting those masks. So there's two art things that you could fit into Doctor Who. Well, just with Max me. Ernst and... Um, <laughs> or just recently of Stone Savannah. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Anyway. So... Um, another question? Definitely have more. Yeah. yeah. Um, I will... Oh, here's a nice one. I like this one. What is your go-to comfort story from the 1970s? Ah. Uh, Probably either anything from the Key to Time series, except for uh, Armageddon Factor. Which... <laughs> except for Armageddon Factor. Well, it's six parts. So, And then anything probably from the Hinchcliffe era would be my guess. Anything that isn't a six-parter from the Hinchcliffe era. So anything four parts or less from Key to Time or Hinchcliffe era. Uh, I, 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 I wouldn't do Key to Time. I would do anything from the Hinchcliffe era, but I would include six-parters. Uh-huh. Because you can stop them after two if you've been soothed. And then watch the, watch right. the next four a bit right. later, because they're always like two plus four. Mm-hmm. And um, don't think anything with Joe, Joe, and, um, Joe and John Pertwee. Yeah, yeah, that's a good choice. So it's kind of mid the mid the mid years of the third week. So like seventy one through seventy five. Yep, yep, yeah. Big tall. Basically, when we we're kids watching. Basically, when we we're kids watching. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay, I'm handing over the emergency questions right. to you. Uh, let's see. Get rid of the father's question. Ah, okay. What is your top missing episode story you'd like found or animated? <sighs> Found or animated? Right. Well, uh, obviously, first choice would be found, right? First, first choice is definitely found. Ah, oh, goodness. Um, well, for completion's sake, I would have to say Web of Fear three. Right. So that we'd have all so of the Web of Fear. So you could just watch movie so you, pictures for the complete story. Yeah. So it would be a completed story. Uh-huh. Um, again, of course, I am on record, and I will continue to say this over and over again. Web of Fear is now not as good as I thought it was going to be. Not because it's <laughs> not, and it's not its own fault, but because we now know that the the villain in Web of Fear cannot be Nicholas Courtney. Yeah, um, and the whole series, the whole story, hinges on is he or isn't he an agent of the Great Intelligence? Right, and of right, course we know right. that he isn't. So, kind of spikes that. Um, I would say, and this may be a slight outlier, um, I would say Space Pirates. Oh, that's an interesting choice. Because I'd, 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 the model work on that uh, has been, uh, again, I am told, was amazing. And certainly I've seen the pictures mm-hmm. and the model work looks like it was kind of uh, kind mm-hmm. of gra- groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets a very bad rap mm-hmm. in a similar way, I think, to The Enemy of the World used to get a bad rap. Um, Enemy of the World was like, you know, the first direct- directorial uh, attempt for... Barry Letts, uh, Space Pirates was the Bob Holmes story. Was a Bob Holmes story. There's got to be something there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's six parts. Yep. Which which is good. So the more more episodes you can find, the better. Uh-huh. Um, you know, and I'm not going to go with Fury from the Deep and stuff like that because that's what everyone says. So uh-huh. I'm going to say Space Pirates. Hmm. Okay. Or the Pirates from Space. <laughs> yeah. Well, for me yourself. Of the surviving episodes, I think what, what, we we have uh, Evil of Dalek number two. Is one of those, and I just find it so infuriating not being able to watch evil. And I think it's a very watchable story, and I really right. like Victoria. So if I went for one of the big marquee stories that are right. missing, that would be one of those choosing. But I think where we have the biggest gap in stories that I would most like to see filled would be either something from the Stephen Taylor era or from the Ben and Polly era. So if I went with the Stephen Taylor era, 
I would go for the Savages. I was going to say And if savages, I went for yeah. the Ben and Polly era, I would go with the Macroterra. Ah, uh, Macroterra would be a nice one. Love to have seen what that macro really looked like. I think I'm, it just probably looks like pants. People but. who aren't watching a video, I'm doing a macro. <laughs> He's do, doing the crab claws. I'm doing the macro claws. <laughs> so, the, the, I, I mean, it's, it's hard to choose just one. Highlanders would be another interesting one to do. Oh, Highlanders, yeah. Because that, that's yeah. another one. So, uh, here, put creativity on the spot. Okay. What new alien race should the doctor next meet? What new age? So I've got, so to, create, I've got to come up with is, an alien race. This is Blue Peter, create an alien oh. race. God. Um, Put you on the spot. We, man, we could have done a whole podcast on the side. Yeah, we could have. Gosh, <laughs> uh, wow, that's, that is putting me on the spot. I, I'll go first. Oh, okay, all, right. Yeah. all right. All right. So my thinking is you have um, about a four and a half, five foot tall, anthropomorphic guinea pig looking creatures oh, okay. guinea that yeah. are more... Um, guinea pigs from space. Very peaceful and docile, but they'd be it'd be sort of like a Zarbi type situation where they're being invaded, and the doctor would have to help these guinea pig people out. And I don't know, some vegetarian guinea pigs that are really kind of mellow, hippie, laid back, shy guinea pigs. Right. So they're more like right. So they're not like Ewoks. No, they look like big guinea pigs. They look like big guinea pigs. They walk on all fours, or they just have hind legs. They're anthropomorphic. They're anthropomorphic. Right. Yeah, and they okay. talk and facial expressions. Right, right. Wear hats and that kind hats, of stuff. cloaks and things like the Olga the Polga. Olga the Polga. <laughs> are they smooth heads or are they rosettes? Oh, would, uh, whatever. You... Whatever. It'd be a mix. They're guinea pigs. Right? They're guinea pigs. All right. <laughs> wow. So invasion of the space guinea pigs. Yep. Um, what alien race? Friend or foe? How about that? Uh, well, so the, yeah. Well, I mean, the Doctor meets dangerous aliens who he has to fight, and then he meets friendly aliens who he has to protect from dangerous mm-hmm. aliens. So there's always two bunches of aliens he meets, mm-hmm. uh, and even within the same race, there's like there's good ones and there's bad ones. So um, I I don't know. Okay, <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> Okay, all right. Uh, can, can I choose a race of aliens who no one wants him to meet again, but I think he should? Oh, sure. <laughs> I'm a big fan, and I wish I knew where, where my copy was, because I'd like to read it again, of Paul Cornell's book, No Future. Okay. Where, I mean, the memory cheats, but for some reason, like, the Seventh Doctor is in, like, 1970s London and gets involved with like the punk rock movement or something. Uh-huh. But the alien, the, the alien invasion there, which is partly the meddling monk, is the Vardans. <laughs> and uh, Cornell does an, um, and as far as I wish I could read it again, he does an amazing job with rehabilitating those, uh-huh. those aliens into something that, that are super interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, and they're kind of these aliens that, that, well, he reinvents the Vardans as these aliens that kind of, move through media and uh-huh. can kind of live in kind of TV shows and things uh-huh. almost like a little bit like the land of fiction only real was it more like uh, what uh, the monks did with the kind of monkish okay. yes yeah 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 um i yes yeah, so i'd say the vardens okay. not not the meddling monks all right i mean the monkey monks all right so uh, the follow up question on this is sort yeah. of at this point, we're at the, in June of uh, 2018. What are yeah. you most looking forward to in Series 11? Um, I'm most looking forward to seeing New Who. Okay. Something different, uh-huh. something innovative, um, something distinctive. I'm excited to see how we have so many people in the TARDIS 
and I'm looking forward to it being distinctively different from previous. I think I would piggyback on that. I am very looking forward to seeing how different it is, and I think it's going to be an incredibly different show and a a different vibe, and uh, Joey Whitaker is so different, I think, just from her predecessors that it's going to have a different feel, and it's... It, it, the show is getting the reinvigoration that it needed. It's getting a true regeneration. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now that the door is opened to a female doctor, when it comes time for Jodie to regenerate, do you think she should regenerate into another woman? Hmm. Or, uh, or regenerate back into a man? Or regenerate into something that has no gender? Ah, like a piece of wood. <laughs> or a car. Yeah, that, that's not very dynamic. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's really up to up to the showrunner. I think I think that it would be probably, it's, it's hard to say, but my, my, my say. intuition, my gut intuition right now would be to cast another woman. That would be my gut intuition as well. Yeah. And so it's not, Keep one, it going. it's not one and done. Yep. So I think if you, I think did, one and done is the worst, would be the worst right. thing to do. So that would be my intuition yep. is to cast another um, woman, perhaps another uh, woman, uh, a non-white woman, I, but nice. that would be, well, maybe an older woman. That would be interesting too. Go the Evelyn Smythe route, or more Dame Judi Dench route, or Dame Judi Dench route. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then when we then toggle back to a you know in a couple more doctors' time when we toggle back to a male doctor, mm-hmm. it, that becomes a, a, a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think we are at a risk of another wilderness years? It's it's really quite unprecedented for a non soap drama series mm-hmm. to keep on going without stopping. Right. I mean, I can't think of another contemporary instance mm-hmm. of a show, especially like a fantasy genre show, right. which doesn't stop. So what is interesting, of course, about Who, then if it does stop, then how long does it stop for before they bring it back? And it's... then how different is it when they do bring it mm-hmm. back? I, it's, it's weird. I You know, obviously this will all to do with ratings right and i think actually weirdly that is the only way to decide when you stop doctor who is when people stop watching it mm-hmm. because it is a self-sufficient self-perpetuating you know non-completing non-finishing story right um there is no i mean i was just reading in the guardian again over this weekend how everyone is getting vaguely pissed off with the uh the second season of The Handmaid's Tale, because, you know, it's moved beyond the the book. Right, and it's and, like short books, too. Yeah, 200, 280 pages. And now the second, and I haven't watched the second of The Handmaid's second season of Handmaid's Tale, so maybe I shouldn't opine, but, you know, apparently it's just like, just more torturing women. Hmm. Um, so, like, is this what it's going to be now until right. people start watching it? It's just people being tortured until, right. like, you know... Elizabeth Moss hasn't got any fingers left or mm-hmm. legs or arms. Right. So yeah, I mean that you know most TV, most fantasy TV shows they have a t- they have a kind of a sell by date mm-hmm. and like you're done with the story. Mm-hmm. That isn't true of Doctor Who. So the, as I said, it sounds brutal, but Doctor Who will stop when people stop watching it. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of starved and left to die in the eighties too by not pulling JNT. Yeah. And by not by limiting the amount of money or appearances yeah. you stagnated the show yeah. and you weren't letting the show survive yeah. so you can manipulate it the show and to the point where the ratings will fall 
But, I mean, I don't think that... I think the BBC is, is just as dysfunctional and, and foolish as it was in the 80s. I'm no, not saying it's, it's, it's gotten any better. But I don't think they, they do that kind of foolishness anymore. I mean, look at what happened with class. Yeah, well, they you cut know, that right away. Yeah, because no one was watching it, no one liked it, and they pulled the plug. So, you know, I think they're a lot quicker to react to, mm-hmm. okay, no one's watching this. But the argument for classes, they put it on the streaming service first, and then when they put it on the actual broadcast, it was late at night, and it, there wasn't, wasn't yeah, they, any interest for it. They, okay, they did kind of strangle it by, right. by putting it in the wrong place. Um, are you going to find the class? No, the, I the, had no, I, no, I watched <laughs> the first class, and it was far too violent for me. I really? Just, I just did not like the... I, I, I've not watched any of it. Is it available on? Is, is it on a streaming? Can my, I stream it? My somewhere? guess is on, it's on streaming. Box or something? It could be. I don't know. I just, I just or wasn't. It wasn't for me. It was interesting. It was too. It just was. It, I know I was going for a teen demographic, I guess, but it was just too. It was just too violent for me. And interesting. I, I couldn't. Um, I just couldn't. I just. I didn't watch after the first one. Just, I, should, I just didn't like the direction it was going. I should. Yeah. I'm, I. I didn't watch any of it. I should look it up mm-hmm. and, and and think about watching yeah. it. Um, so, we're we're at about an hour now. Unless you want to do a, one final yeah, question. Let's, let's do. Let's do one more final. question. Okay. So um, I'll choose a good one. How about that? Uh, I think they've all, oh, they, they've all been good. Uh, oh, well, speaking of crossovers. Oh yeah. What? Which Doctor Who crossover would you want to watch? With crossover there, with another show? Another show or another genre. Or, you know, it doesn't have to be a show, but where, where oh, would you like, wow. if you were doing a crossover? I mean, the most common one is Star Trek, right? And I, I'm just not excited by that at all. No, I'm not excited by that at all. They're two different shows. Um, so Well, I mean, well, this is basically the same show, but I think it would be super fun, and it may be... Uh, I'm a big fan of... Um, Rick and Morty, and it, ob- it is the same. Show. And obviously, you know, Rick is a a, a kind of the Doctor figure, right. and like yeah. a completely omnipotent. I, you know, more know of it a, all. Uh, yeah, but more. It, I think it would be fun to have a to have. I'd like to see Doctor Who done as animation, mm-hmm. and it would be fun to have you know a a Doctor meet someone who is like him, only a comedy evil version of him. So. That's my crossover. Would you, if you did a, if you did an animated Doctor, would you do a new casting? Would you do like the Shalka Doctor, or would you? Or, or, no, I don't. Doctor, I'd, would you I'd, take an existing I'd, Doctor? I'd, I'd animate existing Doctors. Which yeah. which one would you choose? I'd animate them all. I think it'd be fun. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'd, I'd like I'd like to do, you know the thirteen Doctors and and Rick and Morty show. <laughs> okay. Which would basically just be like twenty minutes of people walking, going like, "Hi, I'm." I'm I'm the first doctor. Uh-huh. Anyway, you wouldn't. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's that's what I I I'd like to see an animated Who, and I'd like mm-hmm. to see animate. I like not, not you know, a reproduction animation. So trying to reproduce an episode, but actually kind of animated. A new story. Animated. Yeah, yeah a new, new story, story and in a and in a style. Right. That is, you know, full, full would you, animation. Would you do Rick, Rick and Morty style? Would you, what style would you do? I, I, I very much like the the Rick and Morty style. Mm-hmm. I think it's a very adaptable. I think it's a more adaptable and has a is a more humorous style than, for instance, you know, The Simpsons, right? Um, or Family Guy, which I detest, mm-hmm. um, or other anime, or Bob's Burgers, which I also don't like. Powerpuffs. <laughs> you could do a Powerpuff Girl Doctor. That'd be nice because yeah, let's do a Powerpuff Girl crossover. <laughs> How about you? Um, it's a hard question for me because it doesn't seem like Doctor Who, Doctor Who could fit in anywhere. But then, 
is it become Doctor Who or Doctor Who not working somewhere else? So, could you see a re Doctor Who set in the Blake Seven universe? Is that too obvious? Well, I mean, I think we discussed before the Daleks were yeah they were, were going to yeah. appear. They were the villains who attacked Star yeah. One at the end of I think series two. But in or a non, three. so but in a non sci-fi series. Um, with Blake Seven, I think you run into a similar problem with Star Trek. You know, the Doctor becomes a kind of Q. Figure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an, which I think is why it works for me with kind of Rick and Morty because you know the, you know there's a one on omnipotent infallible figure meeting another omnipotent infallible figure. So I would think any historical series, so like um, Sharps, if I remember correctly, or like Rachel Hornblower. Right. You do the Phonionic again. Yeah, I. I I have, I guess, I have something for uh, that time period. But if you if you do it, and it's more of just a cameo of not centrally involved, okay. but that if like if you had an Inspector Morse and you saw, well, they well they had Troughton in Inspector Morse, didn't they? Well, I mean, Patrick Troughton was in everything. Yeah, he just lo- he just loved being I don't, a character. I don't know if else. you. I don't know if you can bring the Doctor Doctor Who. Into other shows. So here's here's my here's my ideal crossover suggestion, mm-hmm. and this is riffing off uh, a couple of things, but you know, an adventure in time, whatever it's called, adventure in space and time, uh-huh. but also Toast of London. So <laughs> let's let, let's have the seventies, and let's have the adventures of Tom Baker in the Colony Room in the so nineteen seventies yeah, Soho we, with we Francis to... Bacon. And you know Richard Harris, mm-hmm. and you know that, that I, I fully expect that to happen in about twenty years' time. You really, you think so? I, I think you it's, think more, more people need to be dead first. I, yeah. Like, unfortunately, I, probably Tom. I well, I think he would get a laugh out of it if yeah, executive consultant on it or something. <laughs> you know, give him an executive. <laughs> you know, it would. You it call would it be, tales from the colony room, or but something, you know, but yeah. you know, sort of like I mean, he he. He like all good storytellers. Just, there's like the one thing you never ask me is it true? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, yeah. If, right. were you right? Are you not amused? Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. it's a good story. Yeah. So yeah, it would be interesting if he would just tell the tale himself as the narrator, and then Love it. and then you go go in. So it would be like it'd be like the crypt keeper or something. You get this old man at the beginning of each episode, and like and I know I have horror, but... I have a I have a te- I have a, I have tale. a tale, tale to tell you. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I, I, I mean, remember when I. Yeah, so it, it, well, it's sort of it would be sort of like um, uh, Casanova, how the uh, RTD did it with yeah with, with uh, Peter with Peter O'Toole, yeah. who of course was again and, and, and then yeah. and then you have uh, uh, then you have uh, David Tennant. Yep. So you have the the thing is Tom Baker is so distinctive in, in appearance. And That's true. I think who it would be very hard because yeah. you not only have to cast the appearance, but the voice is so yeah. distinctive too. Yeah, and it. Is. it, it I mean, you can do a send-up of Tom Baker's voice, but to be do but, it, but it's not. Yeah. But you wouldn't be doing it as a send-up. Yeah. So the other thing, I mean, if we're if we're talking to pure historicals, I would like to see. I mean, you could do uh, John Pertwee in the Navy Lark years, because he was quite uh, quite debonair and quite the ladies' man. I hear yeah, he was very much the ladies' man, and he was very 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 popular. He was a big star. Yeah. Yeah. So that might be and. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean, it, I think there was a lot of incident, incident, uh, incident in Pertwee's mm-hmm. life. You know, Ibiza and 
Well, lives we're talking and, about incidents and lives. Patrick Troughton with his with multi-families. The, the multi-families, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Is it more than two? Or? <laughs> I think it's just the two, but um, uh, I was watching the... Which was a very good documentary on the Enemy of the World mm. reissue disc. Yeah, it's not been released in North America yet. Which um, has a very, very good interview with David Troughton about... Patrick Troughton. Does he talk about us? Yeah, and he talks about the double family thing. How, how did they find it? Did he? They did. They, they did he know as a kid? That? I think he says. I'm now not being able to remember having just said he's a good yeah. interview. Um, I, I don't think they did know that. No. Yeah, because yeah. I think he did pretty well at hiding it. You know, I, I often think about those people. Like, I have enough trouble running one family. <laughs> like, just imagine, like you had a whole another family. <sighs> not, not happening. No. <laughs> It's too much stress. Like, you know, our our wives have got nothing to fear in terms of other families. We're too busy podcasting. (laughs) Exactly. God, yeah. Yeah, So I I like like trains, and my wife jokes occasionally because I'll get train magazines, and the centerfold is a train. Yeah, there you go. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Well, I I like the emergency questions We'll have to keep these in reserve. We will have to keep these in reserve. Uh, so, let, yeah. Well, oh yeah, we have to say so good night. Yes, you've been listening to the second anniversary of the Metabulous Two podcast episode, episode eighty-two, and I have been having a delightful conversation with Ben, and I have been having a perfectly wonderful conversation with David. And until next time, farewell. Thank you for listening to the Metabilis 2 podcast. You can reach us with email at metabilis2, that's a number two, at gmail.com or on Twitter at metabilis2. And again, that's a number two. Hope to hear from you. Bye.